0: Hi, everybody. It's Barry Lewis Green here, a.k.a. The Unity Guy with Epic Engage. And what that means is that my work outside of teaching at the College of the North Atlantic, which I love teaching there, um, is that I'm all about creating really cool conversations. And digital coffees is one form for that. And uh, this is, I think, our second time. Uh, with Don Goff. Uh, Don's a friend of mine, but also a speaker um, and a professional in the area of environmental science. Um, But I'm not going to steal that thunder. I'd like, Don, if you don't mind, to take a moment to introduce yourself.
1: Hi, nice to see you. (laughs) You too. It's been a month since our last chat, Mm -hmm. so uh, we're finally out of the lockdown again.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: So it's it's nice to get out and and the the weather is changing and so it's nice to get outdoors again.
0: Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Or tell the audience, because yeah.
1: I have a few things on the go. I do have my own company and it's an environmental consulting company where I specialize in ISO environmental management systems. And I'm also a keynote speaker and the things I speak mostly about is things related to sustainability and the environment, which are pretty hot topics these days.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I love to write too. I love writing, so that's my thing, right?
0: Oh, that's cool. I think we share in that one. Um, A couple of things before we get started, because people watching, you know, Digital Coffees is pretty unscripted. It's real conversation. A couple of things occur to me, and Uh, One is I saw an article probably three weeks ago, certainly around the time we were chatting last, um, on careers and opportunities in the field. And I want to dig into that. But one thing I did not um, remember before going on, quote unquote, air was RBC recently put out a really good post on nine things that are going to change through and post pandemic. And the areas were very broad and rich. And it was a, such a great article. And, um, you know, one of the areas concerned environmental uh, issues and so forth. So, um, and just as a side note, but it's getting me thinking where I want to go with this, this month, Don, because it, when I was in high school years ago, when dinosaurs roamed, <laughs> um, I wanted to be a marine biologist that's what I wanted to be. Then I met chemistry, and then I said, no, I don't want to be, and I just realized I had a, a fascination with environmental issues. So I'm aware that there's a profession out there. Reading that article told me that it's a growing profession. And so for people listening and for myself, I'd be interested in knowing, you know, the facets of that profession. What are the opportunities out there um that people you know that people will have a better understanding of how broad and deep the profession is does that make sense yeah sure i've been finding
1: that a lot of people don't really know what an environmental professional does or mm-hmm. uh, they don't know like what's an environmental engineer what's an environmental technologist and so I've always found myself having to explain to people what we do. Right. And I guess the simplest way to put it is we work to prevent pollution. Okay. So like that is really what we do in a nutshell. And I guess over the past few decades, environmental legislation has become more and more stringent. And I think a lot of that has got to do with the public becoming more and more environmentally and socially conscious. Okay. So there's a demand from the public for accountability. You can mm-hmm. no longer just clear cut trees. Right. You know, you need a, a, a sustainability plan in place. You can no longer start up a mining company and abandon that project you have to have a decommissioning plan in place that meets government regulation. So over the last few decades, I feel like there's been a growing interest and a growing demand for environmental professionals. And I think those are some of the reasons why.
0: So you mentioned something, I'm gonna dig a little deeper on this. You, at the very beginning, Uh, of, uh, you know, what you were saying, I heard environmental engineers, and I heard environmental technologists, A, I don't know what the difference in those two are, and, excuse me, B is, I'd like to get a sense of the different types of professions that are are out there, people are watching this, maybe they have, you know, kids, or maybe they're thinking about a new career, I don't know, but let's start with environmental technologists, environmental engineers. What is there a difference in the two? And if so, what is it?
1: Well, there isn't a whole lot of difference because uh, just for example, the program that I did was environmental engineering technology. So in a broad sense, they're all engineering technology programs that, that you can do. Okay. And uh, I guess engineering would more so focus on like the ins and outs of, uh, say, a water treatment plant. How, how, does it, how does it work and what are the technologies that are needed to operate that plant?
0: Okay.
1: How do we improve water quality, drinking water quality? So we're using technologies to improve, improve things uh, from an environmental perspective. Or maybe it's to reduce emissions. Maybe we need to install uh, certain types of technology in order to reduce emissions. Okay. So those are some of the types of things that an environmental engineer would be involved in.
0: Okay. And are there other professions? You know, again, let's say I go back in time and I'm that 17, 18-year-old kid who wanted to be a marine biologist and then decide, you know, what are some of the... You know, the the types of work out there that for people like yourself, who are particularly environmentally conscious, might want to entertain, what are the professions out there?
1: It's such a broad field, but some of the, you can either uh, work out in the field and be outdoors a lot, maybe you're out doing, uh, taking water samples, groundwater sampling, soil sampling, to determine levels of toxicity in the air or water or soil, for example, okay. right? So that's if you're the type of person that wants to be outdoors a lot, then there's the types of positions where you're in a lab analyzing that data, analyzing the air and water and soil samples, right? right. So those, you know, maybe someone interested in chemistry would love that type of environmental position where you're in a lab, now right. for me, I like uh, policy and oversight of large construction projects to make sure that things are being done properly and that we're not polluting the environment any more than than we sh- than we can yep. with these projects so um, so that's the kind of stuff that I'm interested in
0: So I'm hearing like. <laughs> My personality and temperament side of my work is is coming up now. I'm I'm hearing there are professions out there that are more uh, field work oriented, out you know outdoors, uh, you know, doing all kinds of hands-on activities. Um, and there's more of what I would see as traditional, you know, traditionally science and research and that CSI type stuff where you're in the labs and you know, doing the, the, the chemical analyses and so forth. And then I'm hearing that, you know, for yourself, there's a real interest in policy and administration and governance around that. So that's that, you know, as, as I think in terms of temperaments, I think there's a certain type of person out there that will be absolutely uh, if I think of personality dimensions, the, the greens, the the people yeah. who love digging into the and questioning and doing the science would love that lab work stuff. Yes. Um, and the oranges would be out there wanting to be out in the field. Um, yeah. And then the policy type of stuff is more of that, I guess, that gold in personality dimensions. So that gives me a sense because, you know, prior to this conversation, not that I'm stunned or nothing, but maybe sometimes I am. You know it it is kind of this big nebulous ball of environmental work but the the type of work ranges a lot
1: it is Um, so depending on what you're interested in you can specialize in many different things like and another thing like if for example i personally haven't done uh, environmental assessments that's a specialty in its own
0: And what is environmental assessment? Conducting
1: environmental assessments. So uh, with the proposal of any construction project, uh, the proponent must undergo uh, a risk-based environmental assessment to determine what types of risks may be involved with, with the project.
0: Gotcha.
1: So, And of course, with sustainability now, we're looking at sustainability not only in terms of the environment, and protecting the environment, but also uh, economically, is it sustainable? Uh, How long is this project going to last? How long is there going to be jobs,
0: Right. you know?
1: So so sustainability thinking, sustainable thinking is really starting to shift, but uh, like an environmental assessment specialist would come in at the beginning prior to a project getting approval And then someone like myself who who specializes on working on these big projects to oversee and make sure that they're doing everything in accordance with, you know, conditions that were set out in the environmental assessment. So government approvals and permits and, and, Mm. uh, you know, the Environmental Protection Act. I'm making sure that companies are in compliance with all of those
0: requirements. I think a a future conversation for us to have um, as we, you know, as we do these would be the whole increasing notion that the economy and the ecology can be intertwined and both sustainable, because I think we often see them as competitive forces. But here's here's where my head's really going. And you've brought this up a number of times with me over the years, and I've never really dug into it. And not because I wasn't interested, I just whatever. But you know, the whole notion of ISO and standards. Um, you know, I'm familiar somewhat with ISO and standards, have been for 20 years. But I get the impression from you that there is a whole body of ISO work around environmental issues. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, okay. the the ISO standards, they are international standards that companies can, um, they can apply and get certification. Uh, Very similar to the CSA standard that a lot of people are familiar with here in Canada, you know, CSA approved. Um, So with the ISO standards, um, so what ends up happening with the the level of legislation involved, and then so many different stakeholders involved with these large construction projects, uh, like companies can get really bogged down in trying to remain in compliance with all of those requ- all of those requirements, right? Okay. So if you have an ISO certification, it basically provides a structure where uh, you streamline all of your documentation. Um, okay. And so it's, it's easier to, to manage. It's, an, it's a management system, an environmental management system uh, where you just have everything all in one place and it just makes, makes it easier for companies to, to remain compliant with laws and regulations.
0: So if I'm reading correctly and hearing correctly, Um, the ISO standards would provide a company with a sense of a process for staying on track. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes sense to me. I mean, uh, you know, from an educational standpoint, there are processes to keep curriculum on track, right? That's right. Um, Certification processes with regards to that. So um, so the ISO standards, as they, as they apply to environmental matters, help companies or organizations um, yes. uh, find a process to keep them on track. Do you like, what is your connection to the ISO work? Do, do you use that yourself? You know, how wh- wh- what is your connection to the ISO work?
1: Right. So my First real dealings with uh, the ISO standard, the environmental standard, was uh, when I was working with Nalcor Energy, okay. and they happen to be an ISO certified company.
0: Okay.
1: So if you have this certification, it's actually really good for business because other companies and vendors want to do business with you if you have this certification. Right. And it also you know, it signals to the public that, you know, you take uh, matters of sustainability seriously. You know, you've got this certification that that the public can rest assured that you are in compliance with acts and regulations. Um, so that was my first introduction and I was building environmental management systems for some of Nalcor's uh, lines of business. Okay. So that was my my first taste of it, and um, I really found I found it interesting, and I found a bit of a niche. I found That's a out. niche there because nice. uh, I was finding that um, there's a lot of writing involved, a lot of documentation and technical writing, and not a lot of people enjoy the technical writing part. Right. So. Um, I just, I just, it was something that I enjoyed that, that a lot of other people enjoy doing, right?
0: So, again, I, I, and I, I, you know, I, I'm quite proud to be stunned from time to time. So, so a company like Nalcor, who is ISO, ISO certified, uh, would bring somebody like yourself in as a consultant um, to help engage the ISO process? How does that, is that? tipping or are you ISO certified? I don't know how that works. So yeah, clarify it for me. So
1: as an ISO certified consultant, so I'm, I'm a lead auditor. So I've got training as an ISO lead auditor. Gotcha. So I can work for companies to help. First of all, the first thing is in creating an environmental management system. So then, you know, you get something in place, you get the process in place. Yep. And next step is implement. How do you implement it? Boots on the ground, uh, developing procedures. Just you know, for example, managing all of your fuel. Um, if you're just say you know Holyrood, it's uh, there's a big project out there, and it's <clears throat> they go through a lot of diesel. It's a diesel diesel operated uh, plant out there. Yep. So, um, you know, there's a lot to managing oils and fuels uh, for these for these projects, right?
0: So, how do you get ISO certified? Like, what is the if you're an ISO certified consultant, how how does one get that certification? Right.
1: So, the way you get certified is through an audit. Uh, So with the iso certification there's mm-hmm. internal and external auditing requirements okay so an internal audit would be maybe someone from the company who goes through all of the documentation and procedures and makes sure that your management system meets the standard gotcha and then you would have an external third party auditor come in and audit your system and tell you yes or no, uh, you meet the standard and then issue your ISO certification.
0: Oh, that makes a ton more sense to me now. Because I I think in terms of accounting now, while I'm not an accountant, but you know, I could have an internal accountant doing my books, but then I bring in a CPA who is certified and can certify them as meeting the standards for reporting, now I'm getting it. Okay,
1: and might I add, Mm -hmm. auditing in itself is another career path.
0: Mm. Right, mm. so we've got field work as an opportunity, we've got lab work as an opportunity, we've got policy development as an opportunity, we've got auditing as an opportunity. Um, it's a pretty broad field, and you know, j- judging from that article, it's going to be a growing field. I've, I said to my students a while back that one of the things I think is going to come out of the pandemic, and I think this was kind of reverb this was part of the reverberation in the, the uh, RBC article was that you know we're going to look at health care in a different way going forward. We're going to look mm-hmm. at environmental care in a different way going forward. that the sciences, at least my hope and what I expect is the sciences we're going to awaken to as being, oh my God, there's a bunch of career opportunities and they're useful in creating a, a quote unquote better world. Um, I know we kind of touched on this in the last conversation, but I think it's worthy of going back there for a second because if anybody's watching this and they do have uh, kids or maybe themselves are thinking about a you know, a potential career change or what have you, um, what kind of, Oh my God, to articulate this question, I'm kind of standing back and thinking, you know, if somebody was interested, where would they go to find out more information on careers?
1: Right. Well, where I started was just dropping by the college and asking to speak to the career counselor or okay. you know, the guidance counselors in in the schools um and they can help you select the right program okay and then what i always did as well was you know get the get the catalog of programs
0: yeah. now
1: most of them are online now and right. just you know you can look through all of the programs that your local colleges and university offer and see what speaks to you like you really need to do something that you're passionate about that you love you know, maybe that you'd be skilled at and good at, and that you can make money and where there's jobs. So you kind of need to leverage all of those factors and Mm. to, to select what type of career you wanna do. But yeah, environmental field has definitely been growing and growing. And in our last conversation, we talked about the shift that's occurring. And I know like this pandemic has brought on a lot of changes And one of those changes is people are more and more environmentally and socially conscious. And we're seeing a real shift of um, oil and gas companies that are shifting to green energy. Mm. Right. So like this pandemic is bankrupting, is bankrupting a lot of these big oil and gas companies, you know, Oil and gas prices dropped during the pandemic. Like yep. it's really caused this huge upheaval in the world, and it's kind of uh, being a bit of a catalyst for change, and you know initiating this shift um, to renewable energy, yeah. which is going to mean more and more jobs in this industry.
0: Yeah. I, 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 I'm smiling because I remember a friend of mine years ago who made a very salient really good point is that, you know, the people who run oil and gas companies knew there was going to be a time when the switch was going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, in, you know, in, in good business tradition, they made business out of the oil and gas as long as they could, but they're smart enough and, there, I, I mean, I've, I've, I watch the NFL network and I can't tell you how many times I've seen the Chevron commercial of late. And it's all about environmental concerns and so forth that these companies see the writing on the wall that that Ford has now said that by 2035, all their vehicles made are going to be electric. Yes. So the writing is on the wall. And that's not a doomsday is that we're going to need technicians and we're going to need people in those alternative energy sectors. Um, Yes. Anybody who's watching this is probably going to think it's an attack on oil and gas. I don't think it is. I think the oil and gas companies understand that there's a transition underway. They're
1: starting to invest in renewable energy, in wind farms and solar farms, and so it's great to see this shift happening in uh, in my lifetime.
0: So you are seeing that, eh? Absolutely. Okay.
1: I actually recently wrote an article. Couple months back for Atlantic Business Magazine, mm-hmm. where I researched this very topic of, uh, in particular, the offshore oil and gas companies here in Newfoundland and Labrador, how they are beginning to shift their investments into renewable energy.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that, that causes a lot of fear for a lot of people, I'm sure. But, you know, I don't, and I don't want to minimize that, but I'm also reminded that you know, when they invented the car, there was a whole bunch of blacksmiths who were fearful too, but a lot of those people ended up working in auto plants once they started manufacturing cars. Um, well,
1: yeah. And I mean, if you look at a lot of the projects here in Newfoundland, uh, for example, Bull Arm, that was a mm-hmm. large construction project. It had a beginning and an end. Yep. Argentia, another proposed project, Muskrat Falls, all of these projects. Uh, They have a limited number of jobs for a certain amount of time. And then that workforce has to shift to another project. They've gained those transferable skills and they just kind of hop along from project to project. And it's no different than an oil and gas company shifting from oil to renewable energy. Like the jobs are still there. They're just different.
0: I tell you another conversation I'd like to put on the on the on the shelf for us to talk about is the whole and not from a political standpoint. I'm not interested in talking politics, yeah. but the whole notion of muskrat falls because here's what occurs to me about muskrat falls, as a relatively uneducated person. Um, if we are moving to renewable sources of energy, uh, muskrat at some point in time and Churchill you know, and we're going to get ownership of Churchill at some point in time in the near future, next 20 years. It does occur to me that those are going to be huge revenue sources when we start moving to elect, you know, electricity and so forth in much larger degrees. But that's the ignorant, you know, the positively ignorant side of me. I'd love to have a conversation about that going forward.
1: Decades down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, 20 years from now, Churchill, we will own Churchill. Mm -hmm. So less than 20, it'll be 19 years. Um, and I remember when, you know, it was first signed. So, um, you know, that that's on the, it, it, it's not to say we can't, we don't have concerns, we, you know, but I'd love to have a conversation about the future of electric, the hydroelectric power and so forth down the road. Yeah. If, you know? Um, yeah. So, so, you know, and for people who are watching, this is not a show about politics. It's not a show about, you know, for or against, this is a show where we're just having conversation and I'm really curious about environmental issues. So as we clue this conversation up, Don, um, I guess my question, you know, is more directed towards you personally, right? Where do you see your career going in this Field, you mentioned you're a keynote speaker. You know, where do you see your career unfolding as an environmental consultant?
1: Well, <laughs> I have a bit of an unconventional approach. Okay, I like to, um, you know, I know I think we just talked about this, like earlier how I have two speeds It's either all or nothing so mm-hmm. I'll be quite busy with uh the environmental consulting if there's big projects on the go in Newfoundland and Labrador I'm going to be working on them right. that is a given yeah. and so far I've been very fortunate that there's been steady work for me in this province it's always been my goal yep. number one I'm not leaving Newfoundland and Labrador gotcha. I don't feel as a as a As someone from this province, I'm educated here. Why should I have to go to Alberta or Ontario for work when there's so much potential here in this province? And mind you, I'm also getting equal or more in pay as my counterparts in Alberta. So it's a win-win situation. I love working in this province. That's where I see myself. And I adhere to a bit of a staggered retirement philosophy where <laughs> you know I want to I work really hard for so long so many years and then maybe take a few years off and travel and then go back to cons- at the consulting again so um I mean if you can do that why not right
0: where do you see the speaking part of your future do you see
1: yeah well I'm finding there's more and more demand for um for the public speaking around uh, these topics, because there's not a whole lot of environmental professionals in this province. So, uh, you know, why fly people in from outside of province when you've got you do have some uh, some people in right here in Newfoundland and Labrador who can uh, who can do keynote speaking and public speaking, and so. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that there's going to be more and more opportunities as, as time goes on and we gain more experience, uh, you know, knowledge. So I'm hoping to be able to share that knowledge with others.
0: Well, I would say, you know, my, my experience in the speaking business, which is many, 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 many years, is that, you know, if, if, if I'm hearing you right, to find somebody locally who understands the local issues, who understands the history of this space and has a dedicated background, professional background in this field and has experience presenting and speaking. And I think you mentioned before our call that you've got some class lecture work that you're doing. That's yeah. a, that's a powerful and unique combination, particularly if you want to stay in this um, in this province, as do I. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, what's as as we leave this conversation? Um, and these are unscripted, and it's like I just go where my head is, uh, where my head is going. You know, is there a thought you? And I'll share mine before, so you can give you some time to think about, it, but. Uh, is there a thought that you might want to share to people, either about the profession of um, environmental work or what people need to do to explore it or anything like that? Um, I'll give you a second to think about that because for me, what's a, what's occurring to me as that kid who never followed through on his, um, on his dream to be a marine biologist, um, it's occurring to me that, Uh, those of us outside of the professional field can play roles too, that I can start looking at my company and my work and see if it is abiding by environmental sustainability um, concepts. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that, but it's occurring to me that I can play a role even if I'm not an environmental professional.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, just like safety is everyone's responsibility, uh, the environment is everyone's responsibility too. Yeah, so, you know, that's on a personal level in your household, reducing waste, for example, recycling, mm-hmm. reducing packaging, not purchasing, uh, products that have, uh, excessive packaging, yeah. you know, there's, there's things you can do on a personal level, There's things you can do um, if you have your own company to go green. Yep. And then there's a place, I think there's a big place for these larger companies and corporations to really do their part in reducing pollution.
0: Mm. Fabulous. I'm looking forward to where these conversations go. I can tell you right now, I, I think over the next few months, I'd love to have a conversation about um, like I mentioned earlier, the whole notion of hydroelectric power and the future of that and how that might impact us for as a province. Uh, wind power, I'd love to have a conversation around wind power. Um, I'd love to have a conversation on the global goals. And I think we were even talking that might be you know, might be our next conversation and how you know we fit into that that um process. But you know, these conversations for me are are opportunities for me to learn, and I think I'm learning. Um, my intention for people who are watching is that I'm going to be taking a few months to rest and, uh, recuperate, and, but part of it's going to be reflecting on how I live going forward, and I, these conversations are really useful for me in redefining how I live environmentally friendly, you know, um, So I'm looking forward to more of these. I hope you are too. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So um, for anybody who's watching, we're going to be doing these once a month. This is our second one. Uh, It's part of a series called Digital Coffees. And I'm just chatting with friends about stuff that I don't have a clue about, but I'm getting more clues as I go. Um, At this point in time, we just say bye or see ya or peace. I'm going to just do peace tonight. I always do peace, prosperity, prosperity. but however you want to say to it. Peace.
1: It was nice talking to you. You too. Bye, everybody.